um, let's just pray before I start. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the wonderful blessing we've had so far this morning, for worship and fellowship and testimonies, Lord, and we thank you for all the good things that you've poured upon us and pray that that would continue. Please take my lips, take my mind, my thoughts, and help me to, to speak what you, you have called me to say today. Help me to be filled with your spirit, Lord, that I might um, just have those words of life to share today. Please bless each person here and who listens afterwards, Lord, that you would bring your truth, that you would bring your life and those things that we need to hear, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so... I'm going to be talking on the theme of rest, um, which is a lovely thing to be talking about and something that we all enjoy. <laughs> I know um, that I just look forward to those times when I can sit down and put my feet up and have a cup of tea, time to spend with friends, is a time of rest, to just have that free conversation times to get away on holiday, to have a break, um, even look forward to bedtime and sleep and that kind of rest as well. All those things everybody enjoys and appreciates and longs for and looks forward to. So when we say the word rest, that's quite often what comes to our minds and what the world will think of. That's what rest. Oh, you just need a rest. You need to just have a break. You need to get away. Those are great things, but the problem is is that they come to an end. They always come to an end. And then there's things that need to be done. In fact, because we've been resting, everything's piled up. And there's all to do. We go on holiday, we come home to the washing, <laughs> as Nikki has experienced recently. And um, there's cleaning to be done. And you know the things we're all people who have homes that we have to, to run. And we long for the rest, we long for the break, but there's still the work that needs to be done when we then feet hit the ground and we carry on again. The dictionary defines rest as a cease to cease work or movement in order to relax, sleep or recover strength, um, as in he needed to rest after the feverish activity. It can also mean to be placed or supported so as to stay in a specific position. Her elbow was resting on the arm of the sofa, or it's an instance or period of resting. You look as though you need a rest. Um, so that's kind of the things that come to mind when we first start thinking about rest, but that's not what we're going to talk about today because um, we all know how to have our rests, but we need something more than that. And, and the scriptures, the word is speaking of something different to this. So we're going to turn to a passage that I'm sure you have heard many, many times. And I approach this with fear and trembling because I know you've probably heard lots of teachings on this. And I don't want it to just be the same old, yes, I've had this before, yes, I know what this means, yes. I want this to be a living word that is something that the Lord wants to speak to us in our everyday situations. It's going to help us to learn to rest in him. That's our desire. That's what we need more than anything else is rest in him. So let's turn to Matthew 11. Well, you've got the scripture in front of you if you want to look at it there. Verse 28 to 30, Jesus is speaking. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in this short passage, these few words, Jesus says so much and there is so much to be said. Um, I can't cover it all in 20 minutes, so I'm just going to pick out some things that the Lord put on my heart. First, he says three instructions. He's talking to his disciples. We're his disciples here today. He's talking to you. He says, come to me. He says, take my yoke. And he says, learn from me. So first of all, come to me. Who is to come to him? All who labour and heavy laden. That's all the qualification that you need. <laughs> who here has laboured and feels heavy laden? Who's been rushing around and, and feeling heavy with certain things? We, we are all in that place. It's all of us. He's saying this to us. You're labouring, you're heavy laden. Come to me. First of all, we come to Jesus because we need salvation. That's the first time that we come to him because we know and we recognise that we're labouring and heavy laden under under a weight of sin. Amy shared already about how she had to come to that point where she came to him and he forgave her sin. He took that weight, that burden. He did that on the cross for all of us. We can't receive rest from him until our sin is removed and gone and we have received that salvation. And it is only in Christ. He says, come to me, not come to this program, not come to this meeting, not come to this particular church, not come to this particular religion. Jesus says, come to me. He is the source of our salvation. He is the way, the truth, the life. We have to come to him. And that is where we know freedom from our sin. Mm -hmm. And that itself is rest. Mm -hmm. In Isaiah 57, it says, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who, who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace or rest for the wicked. We cannot know rest in our sin. So that's the first thing we need to do is come to him. No freedom and forgiveness of our sin through the cross, through salvation of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the question, do you know that rest? Do you know that rest from your sin? Do you know that you are safe? That's the first thing we need to do. Second, in this point of coming to him, we also, it's, it's, it's the sin that we initially need to deal with, but we, ha we labour every day. We have difficulty. We have burdens. We have things that weigh us down. Jesus is talking about this too. He's saying, come to me all who labour and are heavy laden. And our days are filled with to-do lists of jobs that need to get done. The event ha happened today. There was lists. There was planning, there was preparation, there was lots, but we always sought to come to the Lord in prayer with it all. And I know it has been work and it has required effort, but I, personally, I felt like it's just been so 
peaceful, the way that it's come together and so beautiful how everyone's all come together to do it. And no one's felt, I hope no one's felt overburdened. Um, it has been a joy. It has been a joy. But we still have that labour and that, that feeling of all the things to do, of all these things to do um, weighing down in our minds. And it can be exhausting and frustrating. Now, I want us to turn, and in fact, I think I've got the passage on your piece of paper, to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Because I think, I love this scripture. I love that it's in, in the word. I love that this event has been recorded for us. Mary and Martha, verse 38 of chapter 10 of Luke. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I just love Martha because I think, I know I can relate <laughs> to where Martha is right in the situation, and, and in a way I feel sorry for her because she's not unique. There's, it's not there to point out her fault, it's there to point out that we can all relate to this. Martha was distracted with much serving. That's what it tells us here. She was distracted with much serving. This word distracted can also be translated as cumbered, like a burden, <laughs> cumbered. And I think that's actually a really good word. Um, it means to be driven about mentally, to be over-occupied, too busy about a thing. Mm. What she was doing wasn't wrong. She loved Jesus. She welcomed him into her home. She wanted him to be there, but she was so busy doing the stuff, she forgot he was right there. She was just so fixated on the stuff. She got her eyes off Jesus and was focusing on serving. So much so that she was no longer serving Jesus. She was distracted by the ministry itself and her sense of importance in that even. Um, and she was labouring under this self-inflicted burden. Jesus hadn't asked to do a lot of those things I'm sure she was doing. She wanted those nice little finishing touches and, you know, just, just got to be just right. Jesus hadn't asked her to do those things. So what is it that you labour at? What are those things that you know you get distracted by that cumber you? The things, the stuff that has to be done, it's not bad in itself. But are those things distracting you and causing you to get your eyes off Jesus? He's right there. We, he's called us to serve him, and that's a good thing. But don't let the serving and the ministering itself mm. distract you from him. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we've been here. We've been in that place where we're saying, Lord, don't you care? Can't you see what I'm doing? I'm doing this for you. Why am I doing this? I'm all by myself. Can't you get someone to help me? Um, get my husband to help mm. me. Get my children to help me. But ask yourself, did God really ask you to do that? Are you doing it for your own glory? Or are you doing it for him? Are you doing it in your own strength? Or are you doing it in his? If that's things, a place that you find yourself in, stop. 
you find yourself cumbered, you find yourself getting distracted and frustrated, stop, just lay it down and turn your eyes back to Jesus, come to him. We can also get heavy laden under burdens, things that could be placed on us by other people. In Matthew 23 verse 4, Jesus said, for they, that's the Pharisees, they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Jesus was talking to people who lived under the religious control of those leaders, those religious leaders in Israel, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they loved, especially the Pharisees loved the rules, the regulations, and they added to them. They added more and more onto what God's law said. They added to it. And by adding to it, they were adding burdens on the, the shoulders of those precious people who were so weighed down and felt distance from God because of it. They weren't being drawn closer to him. They were being driven from him. Jesus saw that. And if he ever had a stern word for anybody, it was for the Pharisees. And I think it was for this reason, because they were actually not drawing people to God. They were causing them to be separated from him. So what things have, have other people laid on you? What things have, are weighing you down? Are expectations that other people have on you? What even religious activity do you think that you're supposed to be doing that God hasn't put on you, but someone else has? There are false teachers out there. There are false religions out there. They look good. They sound appealing. You just do this thing, you'll get you closer to God. If you uh, dress this way, if you think this way, if you act this way, it will draw you closer to God. It will um, it will be your, your work to get closer to God. What are those things, those burdens that you're heavy laden under? Recognise what they are. Paul in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Christ, is, Christ died on the cross. He rose again to give us freedom and liberty. Freedom to enter into that relationship with God. The way has been made open. And yet those heavy laden burdens can stop us from going into that, that way. And we, we put a stop in the way and we can't come in. That's not what Jesus did for us. He came to give us liberty. Don't get entangled with a yoke of bondage. Lay it off, lay it down and come to Jesus. So we come to him and then he says, the next instruction, he says, take my yoke. In order to receive Christ's rest, we need to be freed from our burdens. And then we need to take something on. It's an exchange that takes place. Our burdens for his yoke. Mm. Now, the word rest that Jesus is using is not the same as the dictionary definition. The word rest is to repose, to refresh, to take ease. Mm. It sounds so lovely. Mm. So Jesus goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. Rest is a yoke? That doesn't sound right. Rest it seems to be sit down and rest and relax. But no, rest is a yoke, Jesus is saying. On your sheet, you should have a picture at the top of two oxen um, joined together. And there's a bit of wood connecting them, laying across their shoulders. That is the yoke that Jesus is talking about. He's, he, he's giving a physical picture here of, of a yoke. Um, and so 
It was designed to ease the work of hauling a load or ploughing a field. It was designed so that that can be shared between the two of them, so that there wasn't a great weight upon one. The yoke was there to, to join them together. This yoke is a picture of submission. Everyone bears a yoke, believers and unbelievers. That yoke can be submission to sin, it can be submission to fleshly work or pleasing others, or it can be a yoke of submission to Jesus. It does require us to take the yoke that Jesus is offering, it requires us to humble ourselves. We have to lower ourselves down, lower our necks, and we have to pick it up. Jesus doesn't put it on us, we have to take it. He's telling us to take it. It's our choice. He will never force you because he is gentle and lowly. He will not force you to do this. He wants you to come and he wants you to take it yourself. You've got to choose, which means you have to humble yourself. It's a picture of being joined to Christ. We're no longer in charge of our choices of where we go in life if we are under that yoke. But we are now being guided by him. See yourself as one of those oxen there. Jesus is the big, strong one. <laughs> You're the young, young, weaker one. But you've got to, you've got to decide, are you going to go the way that he's guiding you? Once that yoke's on, you've got to go the way he guides you. Jesus says in Matthew 17, verse 24, he says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, we could call that a yoke, <laughs> and follow me. So make a decision. You come to him, you lay down your burdens. You lay off those things that he's shown you. You take on his yoke. You're binding yourself to him in discipleship, following him where he, wherever he leads you, whatever direction, in submission and humility. Then Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Now Jesus says, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Once we humble ourselves and take his yoke, he asks us to learn from him. That's what the yoke is doing. It's helping us to learn from him. If we are joined to Christ through submission to him, we will walk where he walks, go where he guides. Think again of the picture of the two oxen yoked together. The practice of this yoke was that, and probably still is, um, the older, mature, experienced ox would be connected to the younger, inexperienced ox. And he would learn from the older one because the older one would be stronger. He would know the routine, he'd know the drill, he'd know this is the way we've got to go, this is the way we've got to turn. And the younger one would just go in unison with that older, experienced boy. Can you see what an amazing picture this is that Jesus has chosen? It's so beautiful. Things that they would have... The disciples would have been familiar with this image. It's kind of foreign to us in a way, because we don't see that today. But it's so perfect. It's just so perfect of what Jesus is trying to say here. So, um, yes, the, the younger animal moves in step with the stronger, more experienced animal. We're joining ourselves to Jesus so that we can learn from him. We learn from him. We need to appreciate that we are young and inexperienced. We might think we know. We might think we know the way we need to go and what the answers are, but we don't. And when we recognise that, we'll be more willing to let him lead us. There's, there's, there's nothing we can do apart from him. We can do it in our own strength. Don't get me wrong, we can. We can make our own decisions go our own way, but that's not restful. That's not rest. 
when we do it his way and we follow his lead, that is true rest. It takes so much pressure off, doesn't it? When we just, we've got all these choices in front of us, but then it's just one simple question, Lord, which, which way are you taking me here? Which way do you need me to go? What is it you need me to do right now? So this could be a fearful thing if we are getting yoked to uh, someone who is proud or selfish or arrogant. If we were yoking ourselves to someone like that, that could be a really scary, frightening thing. And that's why Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, he says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? There's that word yoke again. If we're, if we're yoked to people who don't know the Lord, who don't love the Lord, if we're joined with them in, in whatever kind of relationship, that can cause us to go off completely and away from the Lord. We shouldn't have communion and that close relationship with someone who is still in, in the darkness and who is not um, open and aware of the Lord. So the person or the thing to which we are yoked will determine our choices and our decisions in life and the direction of our life. Being yoked to an unbeliever will pull us away from the Lord. But if we are yoked together with Jesus, we will learn from him. We will be drawn close to him. Just think how close those two oxen were together under that yoke. They were close. We want to be like that with Jesus. We should be close enough to hear his voice to sense he's drawing us towards something or away from something. But notice what he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. We're joining ourselves to someone who's gentle and lowly. He's not going to run at 100 miles an hour when we're small and young and weak. The ox never goes fast. He goes slow. That's exactly how Jesus is describing himself. He can go fast. He's strong, but he chooses to go slowly. What is it that we'll learn from him? He points this out himself. He's gentle and lowly. This is the only place in scripture where Jesus describes his own character, where he describes himself. And he could say, I'm strong and mighty. I'm just and holy. I'm wise and all powerful. Mm. He could say all those things. They're all true. But Jesus says, I'm gentle and lowly. Again, the picture of an ox. It's a strong, mighty beast. But it's so gentle. Mm. Um, it's powerful, but it's so humble it bears a burden it bears yoke it humbles itself it's such a beautiful picture for us to hold on to and to remember that we're not binding ourselves to someone who is going to oppress us and who is going to dr drive us into the ground this is a, this is a relationship with someone who is gentle and who loves us and wants the best for us he wants us to know that to be joined to him in discipleship is not to be trampled upon and dragged about and exhausted. It's restful to be joined to one who's gentle and lowly in heart and yet who is strong. And he can bear whatever it is that comes our way. This rest that Jesus promises is found in him. Not in a break from the commitments and responsibilities of life. Although it's good to have those things and that's a good thing. But... The rest is in the work when we join ourselves to him and learn to listen to his voice and submit ourselves to him in the moment and do what he says. Um, this is a quote. I wrote this quote down a few weeks ago and I can't find where I got the quote from, but it's helpful anyway. 
Um, it says Christ's rest is not a rest from work, but in work, not the rest of inactivity, but the harmonious working of all the faculties and affections of will, heart, imagination, conscience. Because each of these things has found in God the ideal sphere for its satisfaction and development. So ultimately, Christ's rest is not a rest from work, but in work. I just want to go back to um, Mary and Martha before I finish. Um, what did Jesus say to Martha? Back in uh, Luke chapter 10, what did he say? He said, Martha, Martha, you, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. In all the business of Martha, you just see Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and she's just listening to him. She's just hearing his word. Mary had just chosen to stop everything. There was probably things that were that should have been done that she'd just left and she was just sitting at Jesus' feet. He's in her in their home. I mean, can you imagine Jesus in your home and being able to sit at his feet and just listen? Um, it's just so wonderful that uh, we have this this contrast here between Mary and Martha. Um, Mary wasn't worried, she wasn't troubled, she wasn't distracted. She was at rest. But I want to read somewhere else where Martha is mentioned later on. This is after this event in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Just two words there about Martha. Martha served. She's not distracted. She's not cumbered. She's not saying, Lord, will you get someone to help me? Other people are serving there as well. It's not all about her anymore. Martha served. There is nothing wrong with serving. There is nothing wrong with the position that Martha is in. It's a good thing. It's a gift and an ability God's given her. But at this point, it's she's serving, but there's rest there. There is a rest. She's there in the midst of the activity, but she, it's Jesus is at the centre of all of that, and she's not lost her focus. I, I, I believe she, she's learned. She learned, must have learned a lot from that experience, um, and we see the evidence of it. It's possible to minister to the Lord, to serve, to carry out our daily responsibilities, but still to be at peace. Not to be flapping, not to be harried, not to be anxious or worried. And that comes through taking that yoke upon us. Mm -hmm. Being bound to him in love and obedience and learning from him. I'm going to stop there. There's more that I wanted to say. There's another scripture on there, as I'm sure you can see, but I think I, I, think I need to stop. So uh, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. Lord, there is so much to say. There's so much to share and so many wonderful, beautiful jewels of truth, Lord, that you have in your word. But Lord, I just pray that what has been said would be right and would speak to everyone here and who's listening. 
Lord, we want to be yoked to you. We want to learn what it means to be gentle and lowly. We know those things don't come naturally to us, Lord, but help us to just take that yoke, to bind ourselves to you in obedience, out of your love for us, Lord. Not out of a sense of duty, Lord, but out of love. Take these words, Lord, and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.